Well, good morning, and uh, like Ali said, welcome to 2021. I know we're a little ways into it already, and uh, yeah, it hasn't let up, has it? It hasn't, and we're just so thankful that you're here and we get a chance to meet, and just to remind you, too, that you know we, we hope to be able to continue to meet uh, in person and online as we have been before uh, the holidays, and that is our hope, and we, as I've said to you, and you see in our email, we need your help with that. You've partnered with us. You've done an awesome job up to this point, and we believe we'll be able to do that. But again, we're trying to be wise, uh, watchful, thankful, and prayerful, as we have said from way back in, in March. And that's what we're trying to do, And because uh, we believe meeting together is important. Even if you're not here, I think there is something, if you're online only right now, and uh, I think there is something about having people in the room that's helpful to you. So we're going to try to do that. And again, thank you for uh, hanging in there with us and helping us be able to continue to meet. And we hope we're able to do that uh, over these next many weeks. Again, we are not uh, blind to what's going on around us. And we are praying and we're just trying to figure out how to navigate this uh, for all concerns. So again, thank you for your help in that. Statement that I really, over the last many weeks, uh, that have just stuck in my head for whatever reason. I, I said it out loud. I, I was watching a, a show last night, and they were talking about because of COVID, people are talking to themselves a lot more, you know, by themselves. I'm thinking, you know, I, I've done that a long time. So I don't know. <laughs> I've been doing that a long, long time. And one of the guys that was talking, he said, you know, he said, my other self always shows up in the car for sure. You ever have that where you're talking to somebody? Uh, anyway. But, uh, but this thought of our present is not our permanent has just been stuck in my head. Our present is not our permanent. Now, Allie's already said this is not our home, as we as Christians believe. Ultimately, this is not our home. Uh, however, though, I realize when you make a broad statement like that, sometimes you can say things that uh, people go, well, I've got this permanent affliction, I've got this, and I get that. And I understand that. So you, I hope you give me grace as I make a point today that our permanent is not our present. Our present is not our permanent. Okay, so I hope you'll do that. And no doubt, watching this last week and what has gone on in our country, what's actually we've watched over the last year uh, from uh, 2020 and COVID and last summer, God is a God. He even uses all that. We know it in our own personal lives. He can use the most difficult things for the good, ultimately. Unfortunately, there's, there's hurt and there's, there's harm that happens in the midst of a lot of those things. But even out of that, God can redeem. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, I... Uh, Got this mirror up here today, and for some of you who have known me a long time, and, or, and I think Allie's used it too, you probably could think I'm going to break it today. I just want to assure you so you're not bracing for that at some point during the service. My intent, at least at this point, is not to break it, okay? Could change, you know, who knows? But my intent is not that, and I hope you'll make sense here in a little bit. But I just wanted to make sure those who know me I have a tendency to use a hammer on a mirror in a sermon illustration, so... Don't have to hold back for that. Don't have to be like, oh, wait, when's that going to happen? Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. Ephesians 5, 14 through 17. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So then that you walk circumspectly, as not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Now, this has been going on forever. We're not just talking about today. <laughs> Think about that. This scripture, this was written a long time ago. But redeem the time. Therefore, for do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeem the time. Be wise. Understand the will of of the Lord. I started to preach today. As many of you know, I preach a sermon around uh, jar of the floor. Uh, wake up, old sleeper. 
And those who know me well enough uh, have been on mission trips with me. I mean, I've had, I don't know how many mission trips I've been on in my life, but been around the world and leading trips. And it's been exciting because I get the first, one of my favorite things to do on a mission trip or a camp, but especially on a mission trip or an ethos trip, to those who know about that, is to wake people up in the morning. It's one of my favorite things to do, right? How many have ever been on a trip with me and know what that's going to be like? Yeah, you know what it's going to be like. Because the thing I'm going to do is, and I love it, is I'm going to walk into the, whether it's the gymnasium or whether it's tents or wherever we are, and I'm going to say what? Anybody know? Jar the floor. And there's just this power that comes over you. Are these vulnerable people sleeping and you're coming up on top of them and just yelling, jar the floor. It's awesome. But that's how I was awakened most of my life, growing up in my dad's home and my mom's home, obviously, too. My dad, he had a drill sergeant in the military, and when he was in, in World War II at, at, at boot camp, they would come to the end of their barracks, and they were made out of wood back then. I don't know what they're made out of now, but back then, they were pier and beam, and that, that drill sergeant would yell from one end to the other, jar the floor. And what he meant was, you hit that floor so hard, stand at attention and be ready to go. Wake up, old sleeper. Jar the floor. Let's get up. Let's go. Be ready. You don't know. You don't know when you're going to be called on, but you better be ready to get up and go. But I'm not going to preach that sermon. But I'd like to. But wake up. And Christ will give you light. That's a promise. And Christ will give you light. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of what's going on, in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all... Wake up. And Christ will give you light. My present, your present, our present as a community, our present as a country does not have to be our permanent Christ's light, where are we looking for insight? Where are we looking for hope? Where are we looking? You've heard me preach before. Do not, why do you, why do you seek hope amongst the dead? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? That is not, no, last week I talked about it. Uh, in, in, in the uh, video, if you watched it, is that God is telling us, you don't look for, for hope and life amongst the dead. You look at amongst the living, the living Christ, the one who gives us life. It gives us life abundantly. That's where we look. But it is real easy in the middle of our present sometimes to begin to look down. And this heaviness And it's amazing, isn't it, now we've been in the middle of even COVID and the pandemic as we understand it, maybe longer than almost a year, but for sure 10 months of this potential uh, concept of, of, of lockdown, not lockdown, uh, almost pitting ourselves against each other in some ways. We've been underneath this. And man, if you'd have told us 10 months ago, we'd go, wait, well, no way. But 10 months has flown in some ways. And in some ways it seems like 10 years. And, and what, often what happens is we keep waiting, well, if I can ever get there, I'll do something different. If I can ever have something perfect, I'll do something different. If all the things just line up, I'll then do something different, something better. I'll get myself out of this. But Paul is saying here, even in the evil days, even when all the things are happening, redeem the time. It is that ideal of redemption of Christ coming for us to take that and use it. Take that and make something of it. Don't let it do something to you. Take it and use it. Time is this interesting thing, right? I can have a lot of money 
lose the money and make a lot more money. But I can have all this time and I lose that time. I can't ever really get that time back. It's gone. At the end of my life, I may have a bank account and whatever else full of money. But what I don't have left is what? Time. Time doesn't wait for anybody. Matter of fact, you can have the best situation in your life. You go, this is the greatest time of my life. And what is it doing? It's fleeting. It's leaving. You could win the, the Super Bowl and stand there on that podium and go, this is the greatest thing. Guess what? Somebody will be a, well, unless you're a patriot and you have it a bunch of times. But, but other, other than that, somebody else will be a champion next year. You can't hold on to it. That's the reason why addiction is so, is so tough for people. Because addiction somehow or another puts, puts this lie in your head that you can go back in time and relive this euphoric feeling. It lies to you. So for a moment, addiction tells you, go back here. Go do this thing, but it'll take you back to this spot. And it's gone again, but then it lies to you again, right? Time. Redeem the time. Isn't it often if you ever look back on your life and said, man, God was up to something right there and I didn't realize it? If I'd only known in that moment how much God was up to in my life, in the life of the people around me, in the life of my community, in my country, what he, was, what he was allowing, what he was hoping to do, what he had to, we had the opportunity to engage, but we just didn't. But redeeming the time. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will is. Of the Lord is. <sighs> Those who are followers of Christ or have been for a long time, there's most likely, if you were asked, do you want to live? in the center of God's will. If you were asked that, most people who are followers of Christ would say, if you knew what God's will was, it was clear to you, and you had access to knowing it, would you want to live there? And I'd say most would probably say yes, right? I mean, most of us would say yes, but the problem is, we want to find out, most of us would rather find out, can I just crack the door open just a little bit and see what his will is and see if I want to do that? that that's where most of us are. Mo, most of us, not sure we really want to know what all his will is. And you know, and I know we know the old Years ago, well, I'm afraid if I gave my life to the Lord fully, he's going to send me to Africa to be a missionary. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of the old school. It's kind of that still concept, that, that, that's still a little bit of that concept. Do you, really, do you really want to know what God's will is? And it's hard. In the middle of all that's going on, in the middle of all the, the, the chaos, it seems at times, what is God's will in the middle of all this? Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this. Therefore, and Paul is urging right here, right? He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's 
grace and his mercy that he has poured out to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. In other words, you don't go martyr yourself, even though that can happen to people. We know that. We know it through history. We know it. it's still happening in the world today for following Christ. But that's not what he's saying here. But offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is, this is your true and proper worship. In some versions it says, this is the least you can do. In view of God's mercy and what he has done in your life, the least you can do is this right here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. Anybody here like that last sentence? Then you'll be able to test. In other words, you will, what it means is their test actually means you know. You really know what God's will is. And approve, test and approve means you embrace it. Literally, you look at it and go, ha ha, I want to do this. Maybe you wouldn't say ha ha, but you would go, I want to do this. I embrace it. Oh, yeah, let's go. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But there's a word there, isn't it? It's the word then. Then you'll be able to test and approve. So then we've got to go back in front of that, don't we? To offer ourselves as living sacrifices, offer ourselves to God, offer him to, to do what he wills. In other words, we consecrate our life to him, ask him to do what he wishes with our life. And to no longer, to really set up a strategy, set up discipline, set up things in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, to no longer conform to the pattern of this world. And then the word says to be transformed. Now, only the Holy Spirit can do that. I can give you all kinds of spiritual disciplines. And I can give you the formation of spiritual disciplines, but I cannot give you the transformation. Only Christ and the, and the Holy Spirit can do that in your life. But you put yourself in the position for him to be able to do that. To transform the word there is morpho. It means metamorphosis. From the caterpillar to the butterfly. You were once this, now you're this. Do you think the caterpillar's ever wondering, hey, what's going on here? I thought I was promised the butterfly thing. You think there's ever any point in the middle of all that in his situation, in his present? Do you think the, the caterpillar's wondering, I, I thought I was supposed to be this? Years ago, I talked to a young man about this, and I won't get deep into the conversation, but he was concerned about what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? That's how most of us pray. What am I going to do about my education? What am I going to do about my relationships? What am I going to do about where I'm going to live? What am I going to do about, you know, whatever that is? What am I going to do? And he was telling me, he said, sometimes I talk to my classmates, he's in college, and he said, you know, they all know what they're going to do. They're going to be engineers. They're going to be a doctor. They're going to be a business person. They go, I don't know what I'm going to do. You may ever have that problem. You get in a group of people and you go, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. And you feel like you're like about this talk. They know what they're going to do. What I said to the young man was this, and I'm referring to Romans 12, 1 and 2. God is more concerned about who you're going to be than what you're going to do. You're going to do a lot of things in life. You're going to do being a husband or a wife. You're going to do being a father or mother possibly. You're going to do being an employee or an employer. You're going to do sports. You're going to do vacations. You're going to do all those things. But the question is, are you going to be the same person every place you're doing that? 
That's the question. If you want to know what God's will is, it's not about what you're going to do. It's who you're going to be. If you're really trying to figure this thing out in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all that's going on around us, if you really want to know what God's will is, then begin to focus on who you're becoming, not what you're going to do, even though here's what's so awesome. That's the reason why the word then is great in that passage of Scripture. is When you begin to do that, then you'll know. Things become much clearer. Matter of fact, whoever you're going to marry, if that was something you're concerned about, who you're going to marry, who you're going to date, young people, who you, those kind of things become clearer because you're pursuing after God and you look up one day, and I know this is kind of a corny way to say it, but you look up one day and that other person is running right next to you because you're pursuing, you're trying to be. So often we're trying to figure out the person I'm marrying, what are they going to do for a living? Can they support us? The bigger question is, who are they going to be when you're there supporting you? That's the greater question. So in the middle of all that's going on, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of my present Now, again, there's some afflictions that may be permanent on this earth, but I can tell you this right now. God is still working on you internally. No matter what the affliction on the outside is or what the situation is on the outside, the question is, what are you becoming on the inside? Are you becoming bitter? Are you becoming cynical? Are you becoming that or fear? Are you becoming anxious? Are you becoming depressed? And for some of you, you may need to get help to help walk out of this. So don't hear what I'm not saying, that everything I'm going to say here today is the only thing you need to do because I'll tell you this. Some of us, I I recommend professional help many, often. And if you need it, go do it. But I also would say there are times we need to take some other steps first. That's why the mirror's here. Aren't you so glad? Because one of the things we talk about here at Renovation and stuff, it's not very complicated, but it is a picture, is if you're going on a trip, if you're going to go on a trip, what's the first thing you need to know? Often we say what? Destination. But we here at Renovation say the first thing you better know is location. You need to know where you are. Because it really doesn't matter where you want to go. If you don't know where you are right now, and then we begin to figure out what's our location, what's our route, what's our vehicle, what is our destination? For all of us at Renovation, those who know this is destination is Christ-likeness. That's always it. The destination is always to be more like Christ. Always. But where am I right now? Because life changes, right? Matter of fact, some of you grow in your faith. And you get to a certain point, if I had my ladder out here today or the ladder out here today, you would know what I was talking about, if those who are new to us. But let me say this, we know we get to a certain place in our faith, and then we kind of, if we're not careful, we just kind of stop. And we get in a rut. Anybody ever been in a rut in your faith? (laughs) You just kind of get in a rut. And it seems like you're doing the same thing. My, My old Baptist pastor friend and I say old, I shouldn't say that. He is kind of old now, but, but he wasn't old then, 35 years ago. He said a rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. You just get kind of down in there, and you just, the things that seem to just go over and over, you just don't know how to get out of it. How do I get out of it? One of the reasons why we get in ruts is because I believe is, is the term lag time. And lag time is this. You've heard me say this often here. If sin had more immediate consequences, there would be less of it. The problem with lag time is, is that we build on things and we make small decisions and small decisions and small decisions and small decisions, large decisions, small. You know what I'm getting at. And they catch up with us. Sometimes the rut is that God is moving you to a transition. God is transitioning you to another place. I heard this term this week, liminal space. So that space, of, liminal space is like in a house or like in a business where there's a, there's a, there's a hallway where it's the space where you've left somewhere and you, you're not yet there. Anybody know what I mean? 
where you've left something and you know it. You know in your heart, you know in the depths of who you are, you know, you know in that you've left something, but you're not yet where you're headed. And you're not even fully sure what that is, but you're not yet. It's that liminal space. It's that space in between where, where I've left something, but I'm not yet there. Some of you are there. God is doing a transition in you right now. God is doing a time, a, a, a time and space in you right now that you're in that. But some of you are in a rut because of lag time. Some of you interrupt because things have built up. And some of you are there because you begin to believe lies about who you are. From shame and guilt to condemnation. Let me tell you something. Whether it's in culture and we see what's happening. And names being thrown here and there. And trying to describe somebody and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you, there are plenty of people out there that will write your story for you if you'll let them. Say it again. Some of you need to hear that. There are plenty of people out there that will write your story for you if you'll let them. Some of you need to take control of your story. Oh, people want to describe you. So why is the mirror here today? Well, the mirror's here today because I believe there's two things that would help us today. I hope may help you. I don't know. When we look into the mirror. First one is this. When I look into the mirror, I, I would say this. A lot of us spend time in front of the mirror. Some of us spend way too much. By the way, some of you need to spend more. Okay? No, just kidding. What would you even look like if you'd never had a mirror? You know what you, you ever thought about that? If I never saw myself in a mirror or in a picture, how would I describe myself? Probably good looking. That's one thing, right? You probably wouldn't describe yourself the other way. Somehow or another, you'd have this vision. And we all know when we look in the mirror, I mean, I think as John Maxwell talks about it, he said, there, you know, we know we're all kind of narcissistic, right? We're all kind of, because when you, take, when you take a picture of a group of people, who is the first person you look at in that picture and decide whether that picture is any good, right? Now you may look at other people once you feel fine about yourself, and then we may take another picture, but immediately if you don't look good at it, we're taking another picture, right? We all got it. Let's don't, let's don't. But the mirror today, first is this. I think in America, for instance, not just in our church, not just in your home, not just in my own life, if we all took a good look in the mirror, we'd be a different place. If I looked in the mirror and I didn't look to my right, or I didn't took to look to my left, or to my moderate, <laughs> I threw that, I threw that in there. Uh, if I didn't look there, but I only looked at me, and I only looked at me about who I want to be, and where I was, and I don't mean this in condemnation. Don't, don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to make you feel bad today, even though you may need to feel bad. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit comes to make us uncomfortable. But please hear what I'm saying here. And ask myself this question. Am I putting a standard on anyone else that I will not put on myself? Am I putting a standard on anyone else that I will not put on myself? Another question. Am I comparing my best to others' worst? And from Henry Cloud's illustration, I think we got it on the screen, of wise, fool, evil, where do I fall? 
I'll let you read it for a second. Hopefully it's up on the screen for those at home. I think it is. Thank you, guys. Second reason for the mirror. And it goes back to the word morpho, transformation. You know we were created in the image of God. So much so that when creation looked at Adam, they were supposed to rub their eyes and say what? Was that God? Oh, that's just Adam. We were supposed to reflect God to creation. But then what happened? And if I had my hammer here and I was wanting to make a mess... Bam! It got shattered at the fall. So the reflection of God is no longer in me. Oh, there's traits and there's things. And the reason why this is so important for a couple of reasons. One, because you were created in the image of God, you are valuable. But guess what? Everybody else is too. Goes back to my first reason why we're using this mirror today. But when I look in that mirror and I see, take this the right way, this marvelous being. I know some of you have already gone out and, and dropped big dollars on the iPhone 12 Max, whatever it's called. I don't know because why. Because of the cameras and everything. And I, I am not knocking anybody for that. But let me tell you something. You need to marvel. And you marvel at that. You'll stand in line for it. You'll pay big dollars for it. But let me tell you, you need to marvel sometimes at these cameras. These 3D cameras right here. It is unbelievable. It is astonishing. It is off the chart. It is, I mean, my thumb is amazing. Everybody, come on, come on. You can do this with me. I don't really have to think about it. I know it's goofy, but we should marvel. Oh, sure, I marvel at the sunset. Sure, I marvel at, at the Grand Canyon. Sure, I do, but there is no, it was good. God said, that's good. But man, he made us in his image. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. What happens to us? What happens to us as a people when we lose the marvel, when we lose the awesomeness, when we lose the aweness, when we lose the wonder? You know what happens? We become very cynical. Cynical people are not faith people. To me, marvel people and wonderful, wonder people believe what they don't see. Cynical people are only, I only see, whatever I see, that's what I believe. As a matter of fact, they make up stuff too. But, <laughs> but to marvel. Sure, it's easy to get in a rut. And I know for some of you, you know how much I've loved basketball over the years. And I've played it, you know, more than I can even count the hours. There's a couple of reasons why I love basketball. One is, and many of you know, I, one thing I could do is shoot. I could shoot and I could hustle. Whether I could do anything else, very well, but I could do those two. I would, I would be the dirtiest one on the baseball field and the one cleaning up the floor on the basketball court. Or I'm hustling and I'm going hard and I'm going just how I was. 
and I knew how to shoot. All my kids know how to shoot. They wouldn't play basketball because you had to run. Only coach them to do that. So all the girls said, nah, I don't want to run. We'll play volleyball. Anyway. <clears throat> but I do know when I get off, I do know when I get off track what to come back to. Yeah, anybody can shoot a basketball and make some, but when you learn the technique and you learn the disciplines and you learn the thing, when you go in a slump, what do you do? You come back to the fundamentals. You come back to those things. But you know the other reason I love basketball? It's because I was in the seventh grade. From the sixth to seventh grade, maybe you've heard this story before, from sixth to seventh grade, I gained a lot of weight. But I didn't grow height-wise. I just grew width-wise. And back in that day, many of you will remember this, you got three months out of school. I mean, you were gone for three months. I mean, you were out. I mean, you left like at, at first of June. You didn't come back the first of September. I mean, it's just like you were gone. for. I mean, it's like, and you wouldn't see a lot of other people. Even though I grew up in a small, small town, as many of you know. But you wouldn't see a lot of people. And the one person I did not see was my little girlfriend who I had when I, but three months, I gained some serious weight. And when I came back, first day of school, she sent a, a friend to tell me I am no longer her boyfriend because I have gained weight. That's just the way it was. What I didn't know in that year was that out of that, that was going to be the worst up to that point. And I hope I had, I've had some bad ones in my 20s. Uh, but the worst year of my life, because that was the year I was bullied, my seventh grade year. Many of you have shared my life and how I was overweight, I was small, I was scared to my friends. I shared one of them last a few weeks ago, Dave. Remember I talked about Dave a few weeks ago. He was one of my friends. We would come to school almost every day. And <clears throat> these ninth grade boys, which probably should have been in the 12th grade, I don't know, at Wicks, who knows. Uh, no, but they were old. But anyway, they were massive. They were like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, seemed like. They were massive. Here I was in my 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and weighed whatever I weighed. And they would get us down literally. And I, there were times I'd go home and my shirt was ripped open. And because and, and they, they would henpeck you. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. They'd pull, drop you down, put your, their knees on your chest in front of everybody else and henpeck you. Or they'd trap you in the bathroom, pull your pants down, go to basketball. We were, I was on the same, in, the, in junior high, seventh through ninth, they'd pull your pants down right in front of the middle of the gym. While you're doing, it's just what it was. Every day I went to school. Either there was the fear of it or it happened. Or, or both, obviously. I don't know whose fault it was. But that was my present. I don't know if it was their parents at home. Was Yeah, was it partly those young men? Sure, no doubt it was. Was it the leadership of the school that probably knew something about it, but just, I don't want to mess with it? I don't know what all it was, but the problem was it really didn't matter. That's just where I was. But somewhere along the way, I had to take control of that story. One of the ways I did it was, in my little backyard there in Wicks, Arkansas, not little backyard, it's actually pretty big, we had 40 acres, but our little basketball court was partly asphalt, big rocks this high sticking up off the ground, out of the ground, clotheslines to this side. I knew wherever mud puddle, I could picture them today wherever mud puddle was, where the asphalt dropped off, but I'm telling you what, I spent hours and hours and hours out there. And through that, I lost the weight. I grew. And my imagination, though, was at 13 years old, I could imagine because God had given me this great mind to help me start walking my way out of something I didn't even know he was helping me walk my way out of. But I was imagining being at Barnhill Arena in the University of Arkansas shooting those shots. You bet I did. And for a little bit, I escaped. Oh, yeah, I was playing with Walt Frazier in Madison Square Garden in New York Knicks. That's what I was doing because God gave me this unbelievable mind to picture something different, and it drove me. And I got out there, and you know what? I never played at Barnhill. I never played in the Madison Square Garden, but I made last-second shots for my Wicks, Wicks Warriors, and we my point is this, but I had to start thinking. I had to start dreaming. I had to start getting myself out of that. People ask, how did you get over the bullying? Well, there's a few reasons why. One was this. I had a good friend of mine who came along in my eighth grade, starting my eighth grade year, named Billy. They weren't going to put up with anybody bullying. I just hung out with him. 
That was one thing. <laughs> he was smaller than I was. But, but he was mean. He was mean. I loved him. But even with that, I had to make a decision, right? Either one, I could stay a victim. I could go neutral, just get over it and move on. I could become a bully. Or I could be the defender of those who are vulnerable. Two bullies. And at eighth grade, I made a decision. If I ever get big enough, because I didn't know I was going to at that time, I am going to be a defender of those who are bullied. Sometimes you just got to start rewriting and start dreaming and start and quit living, believing lies that you're being told because your present may be bad. But it's not your life. If you saw me, I mean, if you saw the Phoenix Suns Friday night play a game and you watched them, you'd go, if that's the way they're always going to be, I ain't watching them no more. Then you watch them Saturday night and go, oh, man, they're good. <laughs> I'm glad they're present on Friday. What's not they're permanent? <laughs> In all seriousness, folks, we're going into a year that I think we've got to begin to ask ourselves some questions. And I think the first place is, is to look ourselves in the mirror and ask the questions I asked earlier. Am I putting a standard on anyone else that I would not put on myself? Am I comparing my best to someone else's worst? Am I wise, fool, or evil? And then begin to marvel at this beautiful, wonderful being that God has created each one of us, no matter, folks. Here's part of the reason why the church can step into the culture. Because if we go with the mindset that everyone, no matter what political party, no matter what body art, no matter what ethnic group, no matter lifestyle, no matter what, everybody is valuable and they are a marvelous, beautiful thing in the eyes of God, it will change the way you walk through this world. It will change our culture. We need to step into what's going on. We don't need to say, look what culture is doing to us. No, we need to be doing something to culture in a great way. Come on now. Don't sit around and be in fear. And don't be in fear. We did not, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know, people have asked me over the years, Kurt, do you believe in hell? I said, well, you know, I don't know how that's all going to work out. Do I believe in hell? Yes, because I see it in Scripture. But I don't know how it all works out, but I can tell you what would seem like hell to me. This is a version of hell. I, again, I don't know what all it's going to be like, if it's going to be, you know, everybody walking around in fire and burning. I don't know all that, but I'll tell you one version of hell that I would absolutely hate. Is if, you, if, if God said, I'm going to put you in a room for the rest of your, for eternity. Not the rest of your life, eternity. And, it's, and you're going to have to watch this movie screen. That movie screen's as big as an IMAX screen. It's the only thing I could think of. An IMAX screen on half the screen would be all the time I wasted. Oh, yeah, when you watch that binged on those Netflix for uh, yep. <laughs> all the time. Well, do you know, how, you know how often you looked at social media and got your mind on something, got you all eat up with fear and everything else when you don't even know if it's all of that but but obviously there's way more than that all the time's wasted and what would be the, the that's one thing but on the other side of the screen is it's, it's almost simultaneous is what God had in store for you in that moment if you would have just stepped into it what could have been it's one thing to regret yesterday it's a whole different thing to regret tomorrow You got a chance to do something about it. Be wise. Wake up. Redeem the time. Take hold of your story and let God write it and don't let someone else write it. My favorite pictures, as many of you know, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we've got to get out of here. 
As many years ago, I broke that glass, broke that mirror. Many of you know who were here seven or eight years ago. A guy named Trinidad was here, and he came to me one day and said, Pastor Kurt, he said, I got a gift for you. He was leaving, go for, he just finished law school, and he was leaving. And sometimes when people tell me they have gifts for me, I'm like, Ugh. And it's kind of like when one of your kids gives you something. How long? What, what is the, what's the time expiration on it when you have to take it? Can you take it anyway? Um, you know what I'm saying. But he presented this to me, and he said, Pastor Kurt, you remember when you did that sermon illustration and broke the mirror and shattered it that, that the image of God was broken? Then he starts to put it all back together. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, I came up that day, and I picked up, picked up a bunch of those slivers of that glass, of that mirror. And he said, I just wanted to give this to you as I left. And as God transforms us from that caterpillar to that butterfly, butterfly, the more and more pieces we bring back as he redeems it, the reflection of God is seen in us. I think a great way to start 2021, and I know we're already 10 days in, is to believe and marvel, to be honest, ask ourselves hard questions, and then marvel and wonder, what if, God? Just what if? We're going to go in time of communion. And if you have your communion, you feel comfortable doing this. The Word tells us to examine ourselves. If you're at home, I'll give you just a second to prepare that. But I want to read this from Max Lucado. It's found in his book, Six Hours, One Friday. And it says, can you still remember? Are you still in love with him? Paul begged, remember Jesus. But before you remember anything else, Remember Jesus. If you forget anything, don't forget Jesus. How quickly we forget. So much happenings through the years, so many changes within, so many alterations without, so many pressures to conform, and somewhere back there we leave him. We don't turn away from him. We just don't take him with us. That's a powerful statement. We don't reject God. We would never do that. We would never say to Jesus, I full out. We just don't take him with us. Assignments come, promotions come, budgets are made, kids are born, and the Christ, the Christ is forgotten. I love this. Has it been a while since you have stared into the heaven? And stood in amazement. And I would say this. When was the last time you stood at the mirror? And stood in amazement. Because you're beautifully and wonderfully made. No matter. You are. Has it been a while since you have realized his divinity? And your humanity. Jesus consecrated his life. That's all he's asking us to do. Jesus never asked us to do more than he did. He laid down his life for the good of others. The example is not something we made up so we could have to build a theology. Jesus set the example. On the night that Jesus was betrayed... Just to give a second here before we take of it. just want you to hold, and I'll say, well, I'll say one to you. But just to take a second knowing that that night, look, if your marvel, marvelous mind can imagine this unbelievable brain that you've been given, that's, it's astonishing. But imagine that night, you being there with Jesus. Him knowing 
that you were going to betray him or at least run to deny him. And he knew what was in front of him. But he still did it anyway because that's how much he loves you. Take now the bread and eat to your comfort. He also took the cup, which represented his blood. mankind that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life but he did not send thank you Jesus into the world to condemn us but to save us as we remember take now and drink to his glory Thank you for being here on this first day of, of, of gathering together in 2021. And again, like I said, thank you for partnering with us as we try to walk this out. But our, permit, our present is not permanent. God's up to something. Anytime he wants us to be Whatever that is, he's making us to be more like him. Amen. I'm closing prayer and we're going to close in a song. Lord, won't you stand with me as I pray? Lord, we thank you today for this time. We thank you for your people. Maybe visitors today, first time, Lord, whatever that is, Lord, I pray that what we're trying to do here is to glorify you and edify others. And Lord, we say it over and over here. We know this. When we're good to others, we're always best to ourselves. Let us be that people. Lord, thank you for this time. We pray this in your name, Jesus.